I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura On Straight, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business, with topics ranging from spiritual self-development, human design, astrology, metaphysics, and everything in between. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? I am your host, AC Brown. I am your psychic channel and voice of truth, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? And today I have a special guest. Now, just a little FYI and background. I am obsessed with the Akashic Records, but I have no idea what it means at the same time. So I want to introduce Rohini Marathi um, of Magic Incline. That's her Instagram. Welcome to Is My Aura On Street. Thank you so much, AC. I'm so honored to be here and talk with you all about the Akasha. <laughs> Thank you. So, right, it's the Akasha, because I say Akashic, and I'm sure other people mess that up, too. <laughs> you know, that's actually a really good point to bring up. I don't think it's messing it up. It's been called different things throughout history. So Akashic okay. Records is the most modern um, verbiage to use. Really. Okay, that makes sense. So... My first question for you is, is your aura on straight? I think so. Um, it might be a little, <laughs> a little sideways today. Okay. You know, you know, I'm aligning it. You know, it's just a part of the process. It's coming on straight as we were talking. <laughs> That's good. So how do you align your aura when it is out of whack, when you don't feel spiritually aligned? What do you do for that? You know, I learned a really great exercise that I do every time I'm feeling a little deshelved or out of my um, spiritual body. And I like to close my eyes and kind of step backwards two steps right at the center of my head. And that creates like almost instant alignment for me. It's mind blowing how quickly it works and how easy it is. Just like I just go back. It comes back. <laughs> and do you feel that that kind of centers you or what, it, when you go backwards, because let's no one in any type of spiritual awakening or <laughs> spiritual movement wants to go backwards. So what no, is no, going yeah. backwards in your head actually do for you? So just, you know, to update the audience, because people are probably like, I don't want to go back anyway. No, I understand. <laughs> it's a, it's not actually going back, but it's, it's bringing my awareness to my center more than going backwards. It's taking that, uh, like, not real step backwards, but it's just realigning with the movie screen in a way. I don't know if that okay, makes sense. Okay, yes, that I'm totally gonna... makes sense. No, because <laughs> yeah. when I do mediumship work, that's how it shows up for me or uh, in a movie screen. Yeah, so that makes total sense. That makes yeah. total sense. Sitting so, back down in the chair to watch the movie, you know? <laughs> I love that. I love that. So when you do do that, do you question what's going on around you yeah I love doing this visual exercise um and I love just really strengthening that visual side of my inner 
mind anyway, but um, I kind of check the room, the movie theater's in, and I look around, see what's hanging on in there. And I can do like an energetic, just like drainage of all the things that aren't there. And my little movie theater room, like I've decorated the way I like it. So when I go back and it's different, I know there's like something's been moved around or maybe there's like a cobweb here or whatnot. I know the way it's supposed to look. So I'll go and do that. And then I'm there. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. I like that thing. I will. Okay. Well then maybe I'll try that. That's it's fun. <laughs> and so when we think about the movie theater, it almost sort of reminds me of the Akasha because mm-hmm. you're going back Mm-hmm. and pulling information you're opening up the records and all of that so tell me how that sort of is the same kind of symbolism in that when you do your work I like that um I do have to say though going within the akasha doesn't mean we're going back or anything because um you know the way I understand it and everyone has their own ideology on this too is that The Akasha is like the original fabric and vibration that we're all made out of. Mm. So when we're going into it and receiving information, we're receiving like, it's like kind of like, I don't like saying God because it's like scary for some people, but it's like God. We can scare people here. We scare people here. here. Yeah, it's like, boo. (laughs) But... It's kind of like God's mind and that original creation, the all-knowing. So it's not really going backwards because time doesn't exist in the Akashic records. Okay. Or the Akasha, whatever it may be. It's it's the womb from which everything came. So it's like Okay. So it's origin, source. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's source. Okay. And what we're doing is we are really looking at the vibrational frequencies that our little wave has interacted with. And that's what we're, mm. we're reading. So it's not really about like, let's go back in time. And the past lives thing is like, so it's a funny thing because it is real. Like you can go to like previous lives you've had, but at the same time, these previous lives are happening at the same exact time as now, which is kind of mind blowing. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so explain that because I know there are alternate realities mm-hmm. that we all have. Mm-hmm. We all have those. So when you say that it's going on at the same time in the Akasha, what does that ac- actually mean? Well, it's so the best way I can describe it and most timely fashion I can describe it in is that we um, originate from one giant wave like all of us right and like the the akasha is like the connection of everything it's we're all connected within the akasha we're all part of this like bigger picture um and everything happening within the akasha is happening all at the same time but we are living uh in different frequencies within that so the way like i like to look at time is that it's kind of like layers you know like this and when we're here in this timeline or whatever we're just a part of that same layer does that make sense the way I'm describing it yes Um, so we're accessing like that like vibrational frequency from all future past and present timelines and that's okay a lot of times it's really healing to go and explore something that's like in our time the past you know um because the effects of it are still present today. And that's how we're living in multiple timelines. So when we heal something in this timeline, we heal it in other timelines as well. And it's really 
interesting to think about for me. <laughs> like, no, that makes total sense. <laughs> now that sparks another question then. So if there are other timelines, do you find that, let me, when people come to you for Akasha readings, right? Do you find that they get, you get the information that they need to know right now that yep. you only are pulling mm -hmm. from a specific timeline? And then mm -hmm. if they come to you six months later, then it's another timeline yep. kind of thing. Okay. Explain yep. that a little bit more. Cause that that's always been I've only had two Akashic readings mm -hmm. and both were very, very different, mm -hmm. but they were also at very, very different points in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Generally, um, the same way we live in this lifetime, we live on loops and patterns, right? And when we zoom out, our soul lives on loops and patterns as well until we uh, either, you know, uh, adopt a new way of living or, you know, heal that wound. And this process goes on for eternity. It never stops. We're always like going to be living on loops, living on patterns, healing that just, it just never stops. Um, so when you go in, you're in this particular timeline, let's say you're, you're probably experiencing a certain loop that you didn't experience before because of the experiences that you had um, up to this point. And that's how we go and heal it. We gain knowledge and experience from living and that connects us to the previous loops as well because it's happened before does that am I no that that I'm makes sense to me <laughs> yeah, no that makes sense to me I mean and because of the work that I do as a psychic yeah. channel mm -hmm. I always tell people what comes through today mm -hmm. you know because my guides never give me timelines they're very weird about that and so I always tell people exist. right so <laughs> what comes through today is subject I don't want to say to change, but it depends. It's so many factors. So it makes sense to me on how that could happen, but yeah. the themes are the same. Yeah. It's just like the specifics might vary mm -hmm. at times. Um, cause my Akashic experience was at the time, um, the information came through was very spot on. However, I'm not in that space anymore. So I would, um, I would imagine that it would be different or a different form or different information. Yeah. If that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Absolutely. And you know, the thing is too, is like with our energy centers, they change like by the second, by the minute, like I can pick up my phone and look at like social media and like feel down on myself or something. And my whole like inner energy changes. So a different loop comes up in that moment. So we're always changing. We're always like kind of living in different spaces based on the way we're reacting. We're like energetic reactors in a way. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So what brought you to the Akasha? Like why, why was that like the, out of all of the modalities, <laughs> you know, cause I, I've, I'm curious when I have people on the show who, you know, cause I feel we're all psychic, we're all intuitive, yeah. you know, but n uh, many of us don't have the calling mm -hmm. to do the spiritual work actually as profession. So when we do, I always am curious is what called you to this particular sector? Yeah, I, I really think about this like almost on a daily basis too, because 
it's very abstract. And I grew up in uh, the only Hindu temple in Tehran where my father was the Pajari. So I was just like showered in spiritual. You're a royalty, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, technically, you know what I mean? Technically. (laughs) Thank you. I feel very blessed to have had the upbringing that I had, but it was a part of my upbringing. Um, It was under like a religious umbrella. And for me, like it, it was a little limiting to be like, this is the only way. And like, you know, so I stepped away from it naturally just uh, after we moved to America from Iran. And I spent most of my young adulthood running away from it, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, and rebelling in every single way that I possibly could. It was comical the way like I was well rebelling. no I, I tell people all the time and I think Caroline Mace has said this like no one chooses this life no like I've written my 20s I ran away from me being psychic for so long no one says oh this is the job I want to do and everyone to think I'm weird <laughs> exactly it's exactly when I was like reading people in high school it's like uh, let me keep this to myself because you're right nobody wants to think I don't want the people to think I'm weird even I'm particular now in dating like telling guys like oh what do you do I'm like I'm literally I'm like I'm a business consultant that's literally what I say and they're like really I'm like uh-huh yeah that's what I do I definitely have a double life like that too. Cause I own like a bartending school and then I do like all this. Oh, wow. Like so, like, so you're yeah, you du- super 007. So you're like talking to students and like, by the way, your grandmother wants you to know this yeah. is the right path. <laughs> I don't say anything. I'm just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> two different worlds. I haven't like dropped in fully because it's it's been a really heavy weight to accept and the way I even came to learn that this is my calling was by the passing of my two-month-old daughter um she passed away to SIDS one day she just didn't wake up and it wasn't mm-hmm. like in a dangerous situation or anything she just like didn't wake up and it broke me in half and turned me into a puddle but at the same time it shed everything that I had been like building around myself to hide as well so that all just like did not matter anymore it went away I don't have any of the same friends I don't have the same life like it's just completely different life since that's happened and I hate saying this but it was like it was as if she's like my soul sister who came to like wake me up in a way you know because I'm really like apprehensive about saying things happen for a reason because it's painful like why would paint something painful like that happen for a reason but I guess it's the way we alchemize what happens to us and that's how I found the Akasha and at first like I knew what it was when I saw the words and it just like really triggered me but I ignored Mm. it intentionally for a long time like now I have to do all this stuff that I came to do. And I really don't want to do it. I don't want to almost like your soul is like, ding, ding, ding. Like that's the direction. That's where you're supposed to go. And it's just like, why, what, why? So I I can totally, but I, I still like I'm living a double life. I'm still, yeah, I could, I can't, (laughs) I can't even imagine how you do that because that was once me. And it was just like, I can't continue to do that anymore. It became hard and I don't have the energy to give to both. So I'm dropping in slowly. 
So how, how do you manage that? Because I'm sure that business for you is lucrative. Mm -hmm. And so what do you, how are you going to transition? Do you plan on transitioning? Like, what is that looking like for you? Well, here's the weird thing is because, um, I wanted, I wanted to close the business, just get rid of everything. But as I have been dropping in more and connecting with my soul more, I'm realizing that not only not just the lucrative aspect of it, but like being able to be rooted in like the real world or whatnot is kind of really beneficial for me to see how people operate um, without (laughs) soul searching constantly. You know, it's really nice for me. And I'm, I have so much gratitude for it now where it's not like, I used to be embarrassed to say that I have a bartending school, but it's like, now the soul side comes through in the teachings and I'm privileged enough um where I don't physically have to go in and be right if I don't want to be so it's it's really nice to have one foot on this planet and then one foot in outer space (laughs) no I would imagine because I always tell people don't let the internet fool you everyone's not doing their work (laughs) and so you see that firsthand But I'm sure that can also be very triggering as well with the work you do, because that's why I said, how do you manage it more? Not on a time management, Mm. but on an energetic management, because you have a strong calling to help people and guide people to their destiny, to their truth, to what their souls are here to do. Mm -hmm. And then you have a space where people are vastly unaware Yeah. Right. They're numbing it. They're ignoring it. So how do you manage that part? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. And I really think it's helped expand my understanding that I can't help anybody and I'm not really here Mm. to do that. And I'm here to guide if someone's looking, you know, but I'm not energetically going to be like, I'm going to help you with everything to change your life, you know, because it's really not my place. We're all on this like very individual journey and seeing people like in their journey where they're not really, you know, connecting to their soul, seeing themselves of the powerful beings that they are brings so much compassion because it's like, that's the part of the journey you're in. You're not always going to be there, you know, a few lifetimes away or something, or maybe even in this lifetime, who knows, but it's just like, that's a beautiful place to be too. Like, (laughs) It's all good. It's all, it all offers you something. Everyone's not on a spiritual awakening journey at this moment in their life. It comes when it's supposed to come. I even tell my therapist, like sometimes I get upset that certain things that I am facing and dealing with now, I didn't deal with when I was 20. And she was like, you're, you weren't ready. That's just literally what it is. So everyone's not ready for their awakening. And when that happens or when they do come to you and they're at the beginning versus because, like I said, we already talked about the timelines and the loops. So what's the difference when you go in and you open up the records for someone who's at the beginning of their spiritual journey to someone who's a little bit more advanced or seasoned Mm -hmm. in their awakening? What's the difference there? very good question you know in the beginning it's always like very simple messages that come through it's like drink water take 
you know, sleep a little longer, stretch your body this way. It's, it's very like, let's align, let's get back into our bodies. Let's connect to our soul kind of stuff where it's like, you got to take care of yourself before you can expand energetically. Right. And um, when someone's seasoned, they've been doing a lot of work, the messages that come through are quite heavy. And sometimes it's uncomfortable even giving people these messages, but it's like deep spiritual work that has been following them around for a really long time. And it, they're ready to address it. No one's ever going to receive messages that they're not ready for because that would just be debilitating that would stop them in their tracks and they wouldn't be able to grow spiritually or energetically if they received information they're not ready for the same way you you just said like what if we had all the information that we have now when we were uh you know 20 years old like wouldn't know what to do with it I would, I, well, like, I would be in, in a different place now but I wouldn't know what it would probably be too I would probably have like gotten into like I would be in rehab I'm sure yeah yeah like I always I would be in rehab somewhere <laughs> I don't know what kind but I'd be there <laughs> I'd be there and you know because it it's the stuff that I'm dealing with or that I've been working through has been heavy to where I know my nervous system wouldn't have been able to handle it at all. No. So with the work that you do, you've been doing it for such a long time. You lived this double life of <laughs> spiritual <laughs> practitioner and teaching people how to be mixologists. How do you bring <laughs> that work to, how do you bring your spiritual work to the, cause I don't, I'm not, a, I'm a lightweight. So I'm like a one glass of kava or a, um, I like um, hard ciders. Mm-hmm. I do like that. Um, what else do I drink? That's pretty much it. Oh, and um cupcake moscato that's those are my three oh, things cute. <laughs> I love that. cupcake moscato i'll do max two glasses of kava like a nice kava or a hard cider i like stella hard cider the best that's my favorite um now i know how do you get you yes when we meet when i come out there when we meet yeah how do you bring your spiritual work to that as far as helping your students be more innovative and all of those things? Cool question. Um, One way that I have really brought in my point of view and my aspect is that my bloodline is directly from one of the first doctors to introduce alcohol to medicine. So it's, it's very medicinal the way I look at it. Yeah. He, he brought in the idea of wine, um, Abu Siab, and he, through his like you know um remedies or whatnot it it became very apparent that our blood thins when alcohols in it so whatever we put in there gets absorbed faster and it's a faster remedy which is really cool and it's been like it's changed medicine so I always like to look at alcohol from that lens and not like a numbing lens but how can we heighten the situation and I, we heavily educate on that in our school where we talk about the repercussions. We bring in like, you know, ideologies from philosophers about how, you know, it was even believed that a soul would come into your body when you're drinking too much and stuff. So there's like a big responsibility behind it. Mm. And to look at alcohol from that lens, like when somebody comes in, be like, how are you feeling? What can I get for you? Instead of like, what sugary concoction can I, can I make? Right. Like, how are you feeling? And, mm-hmm. you know, 
I'm feeling like crap. You know, not to give someone some hard liquor. Like maybe you need a lighter drink or something yeah. like that. I love that. I love that. Putting so good in the world in that way. That's, no, that's amazing that you're doing that through alcohol. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I'm sure that that comes over into the spiritual side because you also teach people how to read the records. Mm-hmm. And before we get into that, I, this has always been, excuse my ignorance, but because I've had, a, you know, a reading or two you know you have to open them and then close them Mm -hmm. what happens if you don't close them to the practitioner what happens I'm curious such a cool question too so the Akasha so to go back to kind of the beginning everything is made out of vibration and frequencies right and you know humans are vibrating somewhere around 15 to 100 depending on what you're doing with you know where you at with your life and whatnot if you're feeling sad or like really happy or you know, and then um, the Akasha vibrates at a really high frequency. It's like 963 hertz. So it's like really high for a oh. human to like physically and energetically go to that frequency. The main thing that will happen to you if you don't energetically come back to your body is you'll feel really tired and drained. And it because we're not we're just not meant to like be living at that high of a frequency. It's just not good for us. And it takes away from our human experience it's kind of like hard on our bodies to live in that wave, in that vibration. So we have to energetically bring ourselves back into our body so that we don't become exhausted and tired and disoriented. And it's really just an energetic thing. It's not an actual, like I'm locking it up and leaving kind of thing. It's we can think of it as sort of like an astral projection when we're going into Ah, okay. where we're astrally like leaving and then we're energetically coming back. Okay. I used to astral project so much when I was a kid. Yeah. So when I was oh. in high school. Yeah. So it was, well, it's, that's how I, I used to have a product-based business of regarding sleep. That's how I started it after years of that. But because in high school um, and in college, I astral projected a lot and I started taking sleep medication. So I would not feel that so I got addicted to sleep medications and a long thing but I built a business out of it great and then I closed that business down so but yes so I I, (laughs) that makes sense about the astral projection so when you are in the records right so you're in the record for someone and then do you prefer that someone ask you questions or do you prefer to give them what you see first so your the records are open someone's sitting in front of you, you're doing a session or however it is. And what is your like kind of kismet moment when you're doing your work? Yeah. I love this question because it, it kind of, um, brings me to talk about something else as well, but the way I was, I was taught to read the records was you go in, it's a big library. There are like these giant beings like guarding it and you're supposed to ask questions and they either let you in or not. Right. And mm. this is kind of like fundamental, fundamentalist thinking at this point where now we're creating this like weird religion thing. And right. Like, Cause wait, I gotta, right. I gotta <laughs> ask, ask again. That That's weird. It I, is weird. weird, but accessing the Akasha like is 
really like astral projecting this, you know, the same way you had your dreams and stuff like that, where being open to the experience brings more value. So I know like a lot of times people go because they think there's like this life burning question that they have to resolve, but that's our ego, you know, and our ego is great. But if we just open ourselves up to universal information, like something bigger even gets resolved in this little thing that we were trying to resolve within Mm. you know what I mean so my preference my kismet moments always like when I just release and open and surrender to what will come I love that I love that and so what about specifics have you ever had a situation where because I know when I do sessions and people ask specific questions and they don't like what my guides say um what do you do in those moments where either you don't get the answer for someone in the records when you're, when you're there? Yeah. Um, I often prepare people Okay. what we're doing is, you know, we're not, we'll do our best to see what comes, but I let them know that I like just sitting at least a minute or so to see what's going to come our way. And um, as a reader, like, all we're doing is translating information coming to us. That's it, you know? That's so, it. Yeah, that's it. And I don't ever put my own judgment on it, my own spin on it or anything like that. I just have to give it to them the way it is. And it's there have been so many uncomfortable situations that have come up. Um, but I feel like overall it's been expansive because I really like to record my readings and meetings. And I always encourage people to like, listen to it later when you're not in it so that you can observe it as like an outside point of view and see what's coming out to you. So sometimes like we really think we're, we're in a place for one reason, but we're actually there for a whole other reason. And that happens a lot. I feel in the Akashic realm, because as you know, like our guides, like this huge energy force has way bigger plans for us than we're even able to see a lot of the time. I know. <laughs> so stressful. <laughs> it so is. It's stressful. like, no, you're bigger than this, but okay. Let's try to resolve this tiny little. Right. But that's, you know, listen, I had, I had that moment probably last week um, where um, I was having a session with someone that I went to go see and my guides came through really strong. And I'm just like, that's great guys. I get that. That's the plan, you know, that you're relaying through this, you know, medium that I'm talking to, but here I am now. And so it's, what do you do when you get big chunks of information from people? uh, Because, you know, as you know, the soul has its path, has its destiny. So when you're going into the Akasha, you're seeing bits and pieces of that. And so when you give that information, you relay that to people, how do you rectify what you're seeing and what you're giving? Because you know that that person's like, well, this is not matching up because this is where I'm at now. What do you tell people? Well, I like to imagine myself as a delivery person in those cases. Okay. It's like, I am the UPS driver who is delivering this package to you that you, you know, you ordered. It may not match the same exact description. It was as the shop that, you know, you bought it from, but it's yours. So open it up, see if you like it or not. 
but <laughs> you know, it's, I don't feel attached to the delivery. I don't feel attached to um, the outcome. I don't feel attached to the messages even. It's just, I'm, I'm literally a translator and delivery person. And I know like, it's really um, disheartening for some people because we go into these readings with certain expectations sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's really like other people's expectations aren't really from me, you know, on me. So I, I know that. And I feel right. comfortable just being the delivery person be like, well, this is what we got. No, that's, that's good. <laughs> you know, I've had those situations where people asked me specifics and I gave them what I heard, mm -hmm. but what I was shown and they were very, very furious. What? And very, oh yes. They were like, but when I'm, it, the only fury only happens when it comes to love. Yeah. The, people get very upset um, because I believe the situation sh she wanted to know when she was going to meet her person and oh. she had like a really bad time with different guys and I was like well all I'm hearing is that you really need to work on yourself and heal yeah. some issues and she was like so does that mean I'm going to be single for this summer and I was just like all I'm hearing is that <laughs> yeah it was it was like that um you know I was just like oh okay it was all right. Like that's what I'm hearing. And so then for me, sometimes it becomes, you know, hard because then they'll probably like, well, if that wasn't good and blah, blah, blah. And this, that, that's and other. Fair. And it's just like, that's what I heard. I yeah. can't, you know? So that's do you have journey, you know? Yes. Yeah. It has, I really let go of even wanting to help people in that way. And I'm, I'm really adamant about letting people know I can't heal you. I can't help you. I'm like no one here. I'm doing, I'm healing myself. That that's my work. And um, if you want me to help you receive gifts the same way I do for me, I can do that. Right. But I have no attachment to like your journey. That's your journey. Like you're in control of that. Right. That's I can help you get some clues and see it a little bit, but yeah. you still have to do the work. So that's yeah. what I like. People don't like to hear that. That's really what happened. Don't. They don't like to hear that. So when you help people and somebody comes to you and they say, listen, Rahini, I want to learn what you do. Mm -hmm. What steps do you, well, let me, let me rephrase this <laughs> <laughs> because the spirituality realm, we are all small business owners. We have a business. We of course want to make money. We also want to help tons of people. What would, is your ideal person who wants to learn the Akasha? I really like meeting people early on in their spiritual journey and preferably like, hopefully they haven't already dove in and studied the nonsense information where we have to like strip that away. It's so difficult to do because, you know, were you telling, <laughs> I know it's like, no, um, but I really like meeting people early on in their spiritual journey. Cause I feel like what happens a lot and this happened a lot in the last year, I'm sure you saw like everyone's like waking up spiritually. Cause like their root chakra has been compromised. They're like, mm -hmm. are we going to survive? Like there's like, Oh, we can die, you know, like, so that right. I just come up and they're like, but I haven't done everything I wanted. And they open up more and more, but their discernment is 
uh, completely off the dial because all of a sudden they went from being safe in their bubble to realizing the possibilities of what can happen in this world very quickly. Mm -hmm. So they're unable to tell what's real and what's not. And I want to meet them there so that I can just present some information that mm -hmm. gives the power back to them yes. um, so that when they go on with their journey, they can be like, okay, that's a snake oil salesperson <laughs> that I resonate with, you know? <laughs> right, right. And that's, I mean, that's the gift and the curse of the internet of social media is that you do have people who are not on the up and up and you have people who are, you know, the truth and you get to, you have to use your discernment, which, you know, you know, we had that instance today where you're, t you're DMing me. You're like, Hey, um, there's a fake account. And this has been happening yeah. a lot for spirit. Well, you don't mostly for people who have like tarot mm -hmm. or psychic in their bios and things like that, or in their names and stuff like that. And so there's been a big old, I think the LA times did an article too about it. Yeah. With people in the spirituality community being attacked, like people starting different accounts and DMing people mm -hmm. and asking for money and all of that stuff. And so it's an uh, in Instagram because it's happening mostly on Instagram mm -hmm. doesn't, um, it's not a priority for them, which is unfortunate because the, in, the, a lot of people use their Instagram accounts to make money, to, you know, get visible and everything like that. So it's, yeah. it's unfortunate because it makes a profession that has struggled with validity for so long, but now is getting its shine and recognition. Now it feels a little wonky because it's like, there's a lot of charlatans, if you want to say now so, unfortunate. so it, it is unfortunate so someone comes to you they are in they're like you know they're good and you're they're like okay I want to know about the Akasha and where do you like starting with people once you teach them the actual technique because you there's a technique you learn the technique and then what is the What's the magic that you teach people to bring to it? Well, my main goal usually is to allow people to find their own technique because I don't think there's only one. And um, I believe we all are able to connect in our own way. But the magic that I bring is I like to really work on people's inner world before they even try connecting. And a lot of my students get frustrated, like, well, I thought I was going to learn right away. I thought I was going to connect this or that. I'm like, you know, the Rishi sat at the foothills of the Himalayas um, for like, like decades before they were able to connect. Like this stuff takes a long time and it takes discipline. It takes determination. And it also takes going inward, which mm -hmm. is a scary thing to do. Listen, we, you know, <laughs> I, know. So, I think my magic and the way I teach things is that I put the power in the student's hand and let them know that they're the ones driving this. I'm just, I've just made a very simple outline. And if they just put the work in and it's going back to the earlier conversation where it's like, you just have to put the work in. It's like, <laughs> that's all it kind of is. Wow. Um, and when people don't want to put the work in and they've already come to you, mm -hmm. right? 
Because you're saying they're like, oh, I wanted to learn it. So they're going along. They didn't put the work in. What happens? Well, a lot of disappointment. I get some emails that are like, I still haven't been able to access the Akasha. I'm like, well, what are you envisioning that this this feeling will be like? You know, is it going to be like, I think our imagination gets away with that. Right, because you're like opening yeah. the Akasha and then your body's going to leave and a library will open. It's like, well, because yeah. when I went through a an Akasha kind of, training a long time ago and I was like okay this is not for me maybe it was the teacher because that's how it was it's like oh you have to ask permission and the beings and then we're in this big tall library and there's all these things and are they ask them for the book like I remember yeah. her like well <laughs> like that's how I remember her for having us walk through this like ask them for the book if they will give it to you and I'm just like okay no <laughs> No, like such fundamentalist thinking. It really bothers me. This is why I started wanting to even teach this because I'm like, what is this? Like you're just creating a different religion saying you don't want to be a part of a religion, but then you're creating your right. own. It's like <laughs> right. So it's like ask them for the book. So that's good that you don't teach that. So no people go through your course or you have a course and you also do, you do one-on-one training with people. I have paused on one-on-one training when I was in the Akasha, like last year around this time, probably maybe a little earlier, early fall. um, My guides told me like, I have to focus on teaching more and Mm. the one-on-ones are like too much energy for me, but it's about putting the power back in people's hands and letting them know that they can do all of this. Everybody has this magic inside of them. So I've mainly been focusing on teaching. Okay. And do you love teaching? I love it. Oh, I'm, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm just a teacher. My father's like a Pujari too. So it's like, I was a student and now it's like, I feel like I've grown where I can be like a teacher too. <laughs> no, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. So when you, do you run your Akasha training every like quarterly? How does that work? Yeah, I did it. Um, it. It used to be only during the fall, but I recently opened up to like an evergreen course just so oh, people okay. can find it, you know, and um, it's kind of, it's no pressure, but it is like a pretty um, detailed and strict guideline just to, just to ensure people are doing the work and right. I like to incorporate a lot of um, uh, early Vedic uh, teachings in regards to like opening up our energy centers and really like going inward, like that whole thing that we did in the beginning where we see the movie theater and we just clean up our mm-hmm. house and we make sure everything's aligned and open so that when we do learn how to like astrally project in a way, we're doing it safely. We feel comfortable. We are grounded, you know. That's awesome. No, that's amazing. So what are your plans with the work that you do outside of teaching? What would be the next year's goals? I really um, would love to start not start. I've been writing this book, but I would like to finish it. I think (laughs) that's what I really want to do. Well, you don't have to give the title, but what's the book about? Just it's pretty much like the course, but in book form. Um, oh, I I'm, love that. Yeah. I mean, one of my biggest inspirations is Irvin Laszlo, who takes that, who's, who's like a physicist, but he takes like a scientific approach to the Akasha and this like um, field of energy. He calls it the Akashic field. And I love that. And um, 
his teachings align with a lot of the teachings that I was taught through Vedic, um, through all the uh, channeled Vedic information, you know, and what a lot of Hinduism is like based Mm -hmm. on like the whole system and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm so inspired by both of those ideas that I want to just put it on paper in the way I'm seeing it in my head. So I'm excited to like, well, that's a great goal. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it'll happen. Um, you know, so. it it will. You just have to you know, sit and write, right? I just have you to have, fight myself. Yeah. Right. You just have to hard. fight with yourself to write, like we sure. always do when our guides give us information. I that's you know what? That's one thing that I think people don't really understand when you're doing this work and you do have such a close relationship to your guides, um, that when they give instruction, it's not always fun. It's not, you know, it's like, yes, you can have that thing, but we need you to do this first. And it's just like, really? I have to do that for how long? We'll tell you when to stop. (laughs) That's literally, you know what I mean? It's like that. So you'll write the book, it'll, you'll do the things, but it's just like when, and, and so this journey is not overnight because while you are doing your work, the work is also working on you. So that's important. So I want to just thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. This was a phenomenal interview. Um, We learned so much about alcohol and (laughs) which is cool. (laughs) I didn't expect that about alcohol and, you know, you and your Akasha and the journey, anything else you would like to give our audience um, when, because I'm sure people come to you for a session or training, what would you want them to know um, about the Akasha that no one else will tell them? Well, um, the biggest thing is that you're not separate from it. It's nothing outside of you. It's currently residing in between every one of your cells. And if you really want to connect, you just have to close your eyes and open your heart. It's, it seems simple but it's a very complicated thing to do, but you're not outside of it and you have access to it. There are no gatekeepers. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much for joining on another episode of Is My Aura On Straight. I will put all of your information down in the description, Um, but until next time, bye-bye. Thank you, AC. Thank you for listening to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight. This podcast was produced by Callie Green and edited by Adam Ross. If you loved this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.